Alrighty. G'day guys and welcome back to another episode of the Bradley J. Driver Experience, the future number one podcast in the world. <laughs> We're here today and I want to say thank you so much, whether this be the first or one of many that you've tuned into, it's you guys that keeps this show alive and thriving and you can continue to show your support by hitting the all important follow or subscribe button, leaving a five star rating and raving review on Apple Podcasts and just sharing this with one or a few friends. It's the goal of this show is to just inspire people to pursue purpose, overcome adversity in life. And the more people that are listening, well, the more chances we have to do that. And I hope we get to do that through today's episode. I'm here with an incredible woman. I'm really excited for this one. We got connected through my last guest, JMO. Um, the story is huge. Most of you will know her from appearing on one of Australia's biggest TV series a few years back and most recently again. She's been touring around the country and around the US, performing a very talented musician and just a talent at that. She is a mother of two children, a wife of who sounds like an amazing husband too. <laughs> and I'm really excited just to share all those stories and all the life wisdom that this wonderful woman has. Ladies and gentlemen, give a warm welcome from your car, your home or wherever you are to the fantastic Prinny Stevens. amazing good to hear it's it's a pleasure to have you here we're here in a beautiful property up in sydney yeah filming this episode and i've been excited for this one because it's a little bit diverse it's a little bit different to some of my more recent guests you're extremely talented and you've had the opportunity to showcase that across the country and across the world now as well i'm really excited to hear about how this has all come about you know we've seen you on tv and i think it's hard for people to understand they see someone on tv and they see that journey, which is heavily documented on a show like The Voice, which we'll talk about a little bit yeah. more. But there is so much more to you than yeah. that and that few weeks that we get to see. And that's it. It's just a few weeks. Exactly. That people get a glimpse of from these artists. Um, yeah. I, I mean, doing The the Voice twice. What am I, crazy? Yeah. Um, I, interest, interestingly enough, I'm actually a casting director on the show. Oh, wow. Um, even now I'm casting season 10. Anybody want to reach out to me if you feel like you're a great singer? Um, I have a real passion for singers, for artists, just for people in, in general that yeah. have a love for what they do. And I've had friends, even this year, funny enough, that have almost given up on themselves, you know. And sometimes you need a mate or even... A stranger yeah to go you are really good especially during this time in COVID I actually um like I said I've been casting the show for a while and this year I told myself that I felt like after COVID and people the music industry being you know brought to its knees pretty much yeah, definitely. I felt like it was really important to let people know that they were amazing. So even, I so I was reaching out to people that I thought may not do the show. And the other thing was, there might be people who are at home that would never do something like this, that after COVID, after losing what they love, may go, you know what? Maybe I do take a chance and do this. So I really went out and spoke to a lot of people. And um, there were some people that would say, oh, it's not really for me. And I would just say, I really just want you to know 
that you are awesome at what you do yeah. and know that you have a fan in me and if you you know if you wanted to do this I would campaign you and be right behind you and I just think in these times it's important for people to hear that with mental health and you know a lot of people even just physically being alone I have a lot of friends that live alone um, and in these times I can't imagine being in a house on my own um, going through what we've all been through. I completely agree and I really like what you said there about people needing to hear that. I think one positive comment can change someone's life. 100%. And that's the, you know, that's what this show was built on. It was yep. built on the power of conversation and I know I've had conversations in my lifetime that have pushed me in the right direction positively. Yep. And we hear too often how the wrong conversations can ruin someone's Ooh. mentality. And in these times where people are more Words fragile are than so usual, so powerful. They are. So incredibly. powerful. And so I'd love to hear that you're out there doing that. Yeah. And like I said, even people that I thought they're going to just be like, you know, get lost. But I think because I'm not a stranger and even if I don't know the singer, they kind of know of me or just know that I'm a singer to go, okay, well, I respect the fact that they've just gone, wow, she's awesome. Yeah. And if that's not your path, I don't care. You know, I'm not campaigning the voice for everybody. I'm just campaigning the fact that, People that are talented need to know. And you, everybody needs to hear it all the time. It's a really nice way of putting it. Yeah. Talk to me about, you know, I think for me, I know the first time that you were ever present <laughs> in my thought space was that first season of The Voice. Oh, my gosh. Where now probably feels like a lifetime ago because you've done so much since. Yeah. But talk to me before we get into that pre-voice. Like, what did your performing career look like? What oh were you gosh. doing? Who was so, Penny Stevens then? I started, I think I had my first professional gig for John Paul Young when I was eight. Yeah, wow. Um, I recently wrote a song called Merry-Go-Round. Yeah. And it was about, I keep getting on this merry-go-round. It was kind of about me doing the voice the second time. Like, I just keep getting on this crazy ride. And every time I go, why am I here again? Um, but it's because I've been auditioning since I was so young. I'm so used to rejection that it's not rejection to me anymore. It's just very black and white. Um, but yeah, I've auditioned for shows, gosh, since I was maybe five. Did my first show with John Paul Young, like I said, when I was eight. Sang and danced everywhere and anywhere that would like that listen would to you, me yeah. or have me. I was doing like dance troupe stuff. Like in the 80s and 90s, growing up, like, that was the thing. Everyone was in a dance school and you were doing the dance competitions and it, you know, it still kind of happens today but not like it used to. Um, and then I, from there, I went to, my mum said I wasn't allowed to go to performing arts school. So I had to go to an all-girls private school, which killed me. Um, but it was actually really good for me because I fought for my music and I fought for what I loved. And in the Doesn't end... Doesn't it prove that you just... That it's what you meant to do? 100%. I, I think for other people, um, everybody's different, you know. But for me, it worked because I was like, nah, stuff that. I'm going to sing. Like, there was nothing that was going to stop me. I was singing in bars by the time I was like 16, 17, which is totally different to now. Like, very different. But, um, yeah, by 17, I landed my first musical. And I just got out of school. I was young for my grade. And I was understudying Chrissy Nanu yeah, in wow. this massive show. Roger Corsa, who's like big 
director now, so a good mate of mine, they were the two leads and I understudied Christine. Rent is like one of the biggest musicals in the world and it was like a huge thing to take on. Um, what do they say? Ignorance is bliss. Like I had, if yeah. I had to do the, that job that I did then now, I'd be like, oh my gosh. But um, I was young. I took it on. And then from there, I did a string of musicals. I think I've done like eight or nine musicals. Um, so then I went on and did another particular musical. I think it was like my third or fourth. It was Oh What a Night. It was this disco musical where I was Kathy Sledge, who is the lead singer of Sister Sledge. You know, we are family. Yeah. She sings that song. Hugely famous, amazing singer. She was the lead in this musical, Oh What a Night, and I was the lead, like, kind of under her. We became really good friends and um, colleagues. She came out from Philadelphia to do the show here in Sydney, and she went back home. I started doing backing vocals for Guy Sebastian, and then I got a call. I remember we were in Melbourne on tour with Guy, and I got a call from Kathy, and she said, I'm putting together a girl group of my daughter, and my nieces, so like second generation Sister Sledge. Yep. I want you as my goddaughter to be the lead singer of this group. Wow. I had just had my first baby and I, me being me, I was like, yeah, man, I'll just make it work. So we all moved to America. Within a week, we were signed to Sony in New York and I spent seven years over there. This is prior to Incredible. The Voice. Um, it was the most whirlwind. I, I was signed to this lady called Denise Rich, who is really rich, <laughs> which is just kind of rude, right? Yeah. Um, she's like a billionaire in, in America. And I was meeting all these amazing artists, not so much being when you meet someone through someone else that has such a like high caliber, like everybody respected this um, Denise Rich in America. So, like, I met, gosh, Beyonce, um, Patti LaBelle, Shaka Khan, John Legend, all these people through Incredible. her. But they were like, wow, you signed to Denise? Like, meeting these people through her was so surreal. Um, so, yeah, I was signed over there, recorded amazing music with the girl group that I was in, sang with, Gosh, I, I stood around a piano with Patti LaBelle and Shaka Khan and sang Happy Birthday one night. And I just remember going, I'm just a tongue-in-cheek from the Northern Beaches in Sydney. Like, how did this happen? A little bit pinch yourself? Oh, beyond. Beyond. And I, I was in the group with these girls that had grown up, because they were all second-generation sisters, like I said. So they'd grown up around this. So this was normal to them. Yeah. So that made it even more weird to me, because I was like, guys, like don't you understand like what we're doing? And to be fair, now they do say to me, because we're all still good mates, they all say to me, I wish I had soaked it in a little bit more like you had, but it's because I came from here, you know? Of course. But um, yeah, so did the, (coughs) was signed in America. And then because I was in a girl group, I loved it. But I, again, just like my mum sending me to a non-musical school, me being in a girl group made me want to go solo even more. Yeah. So I came home, the financial crisis kind of hit over there and everything kind of dissipated, I guess. And then I was like, I 
really have a passion. I really need to do this for myself. I need to do my own, you know, really start and do my own singing, my own stuff, all on my own. So I came home, uh, wrote some music, put out a single. Everyone was excited about the record label and everything. And then unexpectedly, Beyonce put her song and album out on the same day. And it was like all these hopes and everything that everyone was so excited about just kind of went oof, like this. Okay. Um, which in hindsight, you know, at the time your heart breaks and you're like, oh my gosh, what if, what if, what if? But um, I know all these hurdles are just, they're just directing you where you're meant to be. I 100% agree with you. So then that happened and then the voice called and they said, we've got this new show. We want you to be a part of it. Um, they explained the premise of the show and how you were the one to pick your coach. Because for me, I had done um, Australian Idol when I was much younger. Here in Australia? Here in Australia. You know what? It's funny because there's not a lot of media about that anymore. And I re- Me? Yeah, there's, not a, lot of, there's yeah. not a lot of media about Idol anymore though. But I remember saying to someone when I booked you for this pod... Mm. All I can find is stuff about Prinny on The Voice. I'm 100% sure she was on Idol. Yeah, I was on it. I didn't get very far. To be fair, there was a lot of crap that went down. Being a part of the industry for so long, people already have preconceived notions of who you are. And even similar to what you were saying when we started, like you, you don't like to research too much so that you know... You feel like you know someone. You want to be able to still... You want to explore a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So there were people on the panel that will remain nameless <laughs> um, that just assumed I was a certain way. I've been raised Tongan yeah. and raised so that I very much had my eyes down a lot and didn't talk very much because I was always like, you don't talk until you're spoken to. That's just the way I was raised. Yeah. And that was really taken the wrong way in the music industry when I was younger. To, they thought, oh, she thinks she's too good. And it was the total opposite. Um, it's, it's a sign of respect. In for culture, me, isn't it? it's a sign of restri- respect. Now you can't shut me up. <laughs> <laughs> I've really, I really had to fight um, my way out of that place because it it really did get in the way at times. Like people really thought that I was one way and I really wasn't. And that really happened on Idol for me. They really thought that I, um, and the TV world was so different back then. Um, Even like I was saying before, casting The Voice, I was the one, I cast Jack Vigeon on The Voice last year, year before. He's a really good friend of mine. And having to talk to him and say, how different the voice is and how different the world is with TV. Idol back then was very different and reality TV was different. They'd set you up and do these little things and they'd set you up for failure sometimes. Not so much when you're singing but just, you know, they put you in a house and film everything. It was a totally different thing. And when I was talking to Jack about doing the show, I had to almost like untrain him to think about the way it was yeah. because the voice is so supportive um, and I'm not saying it's right for everyone because there are certain people that I will say to, you know what, this is not right for you. You have to know who you are. You have to know um, your musical journey. But yeah, my point being that reality TV or music on television has really changed and back then it was 
you know, it was all very new too. They didn't really know what they were doing. None of us really knew. Um, but it didn't work out very well for me back then. But it definitely made me find who I was. And I, I had a lot of ridicule when I was younger. Even when like understudying, because I understudied really big names when I was 17, 18, 19. Some of those women that were older than me were awful to me and it happened on Idol as well because they really did assume that I thought I was too good because like I said culturally I just didn't talk very much and I was just like very you know but it's also that you know jealousy plays a big part in that too and when there's someone oh yeah who's quite younger than you in a position that you'd like to be in yeah you kind of project 100%. why isn't that me but when you're woman? there you don't see that I remember one time I was 17 and the lady turned to me and said you'd have to get a bus to run me over before I let you go on little girl yeah wow that's the stuff I used to deal with like on a daily basis and this is on a few different shows and it and I'll never forget the first time actually the show that I did with Kathy Sledge from Sister Sledge that was the first time I had a role like a big role and I remember Rebecca um, Tapia, who's now Rebecca Selly, she was on The Voice, she was pregnant last year. Yeah. Um, she was my understudy and I'll never forget, I just didn't, I never went off in this show. I never had a show off for some reason. I was just healthy or maybe just happy. Um, and I remember walking past her dressing room and going, babe, I'll go off on Tuesday, tell your parents to come in and just kept walking because you're not really allowed yeah. to do that. But I thought... And I was nothing but nice to her. Like all my understudies I've ever had, I've always – because they're just doing a job. Yeah. And it, probably your past experiences build that level of character and respect 100% that, that is what it you is. You want to see that next generation and that next yeah, opportunity you want to see them thrive. thrive. And also I was like, she's rehearsed this whole show and what, she's never going to get to go on and play it? Like, And I'm not threatened by the fact that she might be better than me. You know, there, there are times when – I'm just a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. Like sometimes the ones who were younger are better, but there is nothing wrong with that. And I think having kids, that probably is why I'm comfortable in that because I want my kids to be better than me. You Definitely, know, I, I want yeah. them to sing better than me and look better than me. Or, or yeah, that that's the that's the point, right? To make 100%. them better. One hundred percent. I've got so many questions on that first part. Which bit? I talk a lot, sorry. It's great. I love it. It's, it's a great quality <laughs> I, to have I as do, a guest on the show. I do a lot as well. Yeah, you do. You were so diverse. And there's so many things I learned there in your story, which is part of me. It's part of the, the way I like to run this show. I love to learn things along the way. Yeah. Because I can imagine if you're sitting at home now and listening to this or you're watching it on YouTube, there's a level of curiosity as you hear these things that I have too. Yeah. The first is you said very early on learning to – to handle rejection mm. and I'm a big believer in there's no such thing as losing or failing it's just learning 100% and I think it builds character and resilience how many lessons did you learn as a young person oh, that five. now when you're 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 sort of experienced wisdom in the industry you make a decision or you make a call or you're able to brush off one of those losses and you think back and think that's a lesson that I learned back in those earlier years yeah, I, it's funny because people always say to me, how, why did you do the voice? Or how did you come about, you know, doing it? And I guess for me, auditioning for a show is just a daily thing. I do auditions 
every week for and you know a lot of times you don't really care with what the outcome is but a lot of times you really do of course and I think that's what I mean by the rejection and there are shows that you really get um you know stuck on on and that's the other thing you like learn the character and you learn the the beauty of it or that you really get into these characters and um I remember just recently actually I went for hair actually did I actually go in I don't I don't even remember but um in hair there is the famous role that Marsha Hines played and she's like the big diva and she sings and she's like the one who sings um Aquarius like the big number and I remember my agent called and he was like um and Paulini had landed the role and Hugh Sheridan they had been announced and I was like okay cool so I didn't get it Cool. I mean, Paulina mates, and we always kind of go for the same similar roles. Yeah. So my agent calls me and he goes, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, of course you can. Great. Because um, it was only a matter of time anyway. Um, so he calls me and he goes, hair want to see you. I remember I was at a sound check. I'll never forget it. Um, yeah, hair have called and they want to see you. I was like, tell them to get fucked because they've already cast the role I want. I don't want anything else but that. And I went to hang up and he goes, no, 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 you want to hear this? I was like, okay. He said, um, there's the role Sheila. I'm like, what? The white girl? He was like, yeah, the, like the lead lead. And I was like, shut up. They want to see me for that? And he was like, yeah, they keep seeing all these different people and it's just not working. And because I was already in the mix of people that they were seeing for the roles, just yeah. all of them, they just, he said, they just keep coming back to you. And I was like, far out. Okay, cool. So I went in and I remember they said to me, I was at a gig. I was at Soundcheck and I was about to go on stage. I had my daughter, I remember up in the dressing room with my aunt because she was like two months old. She was like, I was still breastfeeding. Sometimes I think, how do I do life? Anyway, <laughs> and I remember going, he says to me, <coughs> They need to see you 9 a.m. tomorrow. Yeah, wow. I'm looking at the stage going, okay, I have like a whole set to do. I have the baby upstairs. I'm going to go and do this show. Then I'll finish. Then I'll go home. She'll be waking up every two hours to be fed. And I just remember in my mind going, it is so easy to say no right now. It is yeah. so easy well, to say no. there's an excuse, right? There's 17 excuses, like yeah. not just one. And I was like, Cool. I'll see them tomorrow. When I tell you, <laughs> I went in that room, I did not know the song because I had obviously rehearsed all the other songs that Paulini was singing because she yeah. would have got the role because in my mind, I was going for the brown role and that's all I was doing. And so I had to sing the big number, Easy to, um, easy to Be Hard, played by the lead role and I did not know the song at all. But I went in and I smashed it. God knows what I sang. They were just all kind of like laughing. It was kind of... Um, and they said to me at the end of the day, we know you can sing. Yeah. You're not here for us to see if you can sing. And I was like, good, because that was awful. <laughs> um, and then I ended up reading the, um, the script. And the script was all about... Hair is all about oppression and you know, all about the hippie movement and fighting against the war and fighting against taking these young men 
unwillingly or willingly to war. And I had to do this big chant and um, I had to have the fire in me that that whole generation had of just ripping those young boys and taking them off to war. Um, Long story short, I got the role and I was the first woman of colour ever to play that role. And Hair, is, it's a big show, like it's an iconic show. Yeah. And I'll never forget, like, just thinking to myself, don't ever put yourself in a box, you know, like... I love that. Massive if you lesson put, there. If, if I only put myself over there and just went, no, nah, that's all I'm doing. Um, yeah, it, it was such a huge learning curve for me. And even for me to re-educate myself and go, no, why can't you go for that role? why you know and all I'm so grateful for all of the um barriers and and stereotypes and all those things that are starting to come down now and because at the end of the day they needed someone who could stand against Hugh Sheridan he is one of the most I don't know if powerful is the word but he's so electric on stage and they needed this the role is supposed to be played by someone even more powerful and she has to be, um, she's a protester and, you know, she's she's full on. But they just couldn't find anyone that could match his energy. White, brown, yellow, didn't matter what colour. And when they found me, and it's kind of funny because we're still best mates um, because it was about an energy thing and it was about a personality thing, not about colour. That was the best thing about it. That's incredible. And there's one thing I love that you said there. And you said about putting yourself in a box. And I had this conversation this morning with my yep. mum actually. Yeah. We're talking about how I think a lot of I think a lot of the insecurity of putting yourself out there in life comes from ego. Oh yeah. And that fear of your ego being bruised if something doesn't work out. Oh yeah. How much of a lesson you said it there that it was a great lesson for you, but how much does that pivot the way that you then push yourself into opportunities that feel maybe out of reach or maybe even feel like it's not the right move for you at the time, but you know you'll grow from it and there'll be that test, that challenge to overcome? I think because I've done so much auditioning in my life, I think that's why I'm always pushing boundaries. I'm always doing, like I've already planned 2021 already done it like not in my mind not on paper but like booked it and done it because I'm a true believer that you have to keep pushing like I'm I'm writing producing a whole new show um for myself next year which is so scary um but I've learned that if you stay in the fear you won't go anywhere you just got to push through it push through it, push through it. And I think me being an advocate for the voice, which isn't just the voice, it's it's challenging your own fears and going, no, 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 you can do this. And me always <clears throat> challenging artists on the phone. Yeah. Because I'm always being a champion for everybody else. I remember I got a call about, um, I guess I can say it, um, slavery, not Celebrity Apprentice, um, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Yeah. And it's the same company as The Voice. 
And the guy calls me and goes, um, would you have a conversation about it? I said, you know, the funny thing is I spend every day on the phone talking to artists, telling them to push themselves that I have to. Like I, I can't say no. Do I hate spiders? Do I hate all those things? Do I hate the idea of even the show? Yes. But everything in me tells me just do it. And, and I always say to anyone with, that I talk to about the show, you can always say no at any point. But if you don't actually get the full scope of what it is you're getting into and if you don't make an educated decision on what it is and if it's right for you, then you'll never know. There's something in putting yourself out there, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. I've learned a massive lessons in that this year, like a lot of risks I've taken, a lot of the decisions I've made that were a little bit scary in the moment have resulted in extreme growth and yep. resulted in the best year of my life in a year that has been probably the opposite for most people. I, I also, felt like there's been so many amazing moments because of that. And I also think when I say like, you know, you can say no at any point. Once you, even if you just entertain an idea and go, okay, I want to do this rather than just go, oh, I don't know. Even just entertaining and go, okay, I'll go on the web and see what, how much this is or whatever it is. Like, let's just say, I don't know, I want to buy a house. Even going in and, and entertaining the idea and going in and researching and doing all sorts of things and asking questions, most of the time, whatever it is that you're so scared of, once you actually put a microscope over it and look at it and research it, you go, oh, it's not that, not that, it's not scary. that scary anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And the closer you get and the closer you get to it, the more, the less the fears become the no. And if the no is just a, a no because it's not right, totally, that's fine. But if the no is a no because of fear, no. Nah. I agree. Let's talk about The Voice and let's talk about that first season. Oh my gosh, yeah. What year was that now? So 2012. We're 10 years ago. Ten, nine years eight ago. Eight years ago. Eight, eight. What are we, were 2020? Well, we're nearly nine, yeah. How good's the math on this? Um, eight years ago. Does that feel like a lifetime ago since that first voice? Yeah, it does. And talk, like, obviously, you know, hearing this here, you know, in the first 20 minutes of this episode, we've heard you had an incredible career pre-voice. Yeah. And probably even more significant in shaping you and, and yeah. the growth of you as an artist. But then going on that show and being quite publicly, because I think, you know, the musical industry and the theatre industry isn't probably as public as, say, something no. like being on national TV and being in every average family's living room. Yeah. How does that change? Like, how does that challenge play out? How does that change the way that you are as a person and the way that you tackle life? How does it change the trajectory of your whole career? There's, there's a few parts to that. Um, like you said... We were on on the show. I say we because it's all. I always think it's me and Mahalia. When I look at that show, mm. I only think of me and her. She's my best friend. We still talk every day. Um, her daughter's my goddaughter. My daughter was bride uh, girl at her wedding. Like, but I look at it and I think <sighs> it, it was such a lifetime ago. But I was really, like you said, projected out there into the world, and that's when people actually watch TV. Now we yeah. all watch Netflix. I think we had something like 4 million viewers, which insane. is insane. Insane. And it was the very first uh, season. 
So people were like, what the heck is this chair turning? I remember it because it was... Everyone remembered it. Looking at the images. Yeah. It's so exciting. It's so compelling. And it also, once those chairs turned, it gave the power back to the singer. Yeah. Which is, again, what I was talking about, the difference between Idol and The Voice. It was... The power was in the artist. It wasn't about ridiculing them. It wasn't about having a Simon Cowell that's, you know talking badly it's about building these artists and just finding great artists in australia and it Um, wasn't about what you look like no your fashion what your personal brand could be because of your image it was about the literally the voice just your voice to be fair i sang awful (laughs) i wasn't awful i was just i was so nervous like it's so hard not to be nervous especially when you're already somewhat established you're just like if i'm bad or if they don't turn this is going to be so bad for me like it's so hard to control those nerves when you're doing it like i listen back and i'm i'm not even 60 percent of the singer that i am in those moments because mentally i'm just going oh my gosh some people can hide it better but i i cannot (laughs) um but yeah, we got thrown into the media. I got a lot of backlash. I was told that I was sleeping with Joel Madden and that I was having an affair with him and which was crazy because yeah. like him and I were like best mates. We're still good mates and he's he's such an awesome guy and I was like nobody really knows that I only went with him because I just wanted to get one step closer to Nicole Richie. Like I'm obsessed with Nicole yeah. Richie. Um no, but like he was just a genuinely nice guy. And even there were people on the crew that said that they saw me kissing him. And I, I never, like, if anyone knows me, I don't. But that just feeds into the bullshit of reality TV, right? And, and it, it feeds into the media. And yeah. I think. But I've, it's the media separate from the show. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. How does that. One thing that really intrigues me about that is you're in a position where you've put yourself out there, which takes bravery to begin with. Yep. You're trying to further establish your career. Yep. You want it to be about your talent about and music. your voice. And you're building a personal brand as a musician that you can project who you are through the music that you perform on the show and, and yep. then to go on from that and continue. How do you handle that adversity where all of a sudden the limelight's been taking off it's been taken off, I should say, who you are as a performer yeah. and it's attacking your personal life and your personal decisions. It's it's funny because... In, in a false way. It, it's going to sound really weird. And I've, I've working on, on The Voice a fair few times, there's so many girls that I've seen and that I've actually like hugged and held and they're like, it's just so hard being pretty. And I'm like, gosh, that sounds really bad. And I'm like, that's yeah. not true. But... It, it's much easier if the if you're like a weird looking um, eccentric it's it, it becomes about just your voice I know that sounds so strange no, but I, like I because being with Joel like the whole Joel thing was because you know they're too like they probably get together well if if I didn't look the way I looked they wouldn't have just assumed that we were sleeping together because yeah. they'd be like, oh, he won't sleep with her. Oh, but he'll sleep with her. So yeah. does that mean that I'm just going to naturally reciprocate because he's Joel Madden? No, I had so much respect for him. I was also married at the time and I would never 
Like it's just something that's assumed and also it's just the media, you know. It's one of those things. But I remember I got smashed in so many blogs and it was all about, oh, there were some things that were awful, racist, um, just saying that I was only there because of my looks and only there. And especially when I did the battle with Mahalia, it was really, really bad. It got to a point where we kind of just laughed at them. Like, yeah, of course. That sounds bad, but if I didn't laugh, I would have cried. Um, and also my brother, my younger brother, I said to him, you check out everything on social media. I'm not going to look. Anything you think I need to see, you send it to me. Yeah. Does it mean that I totally didn't look? Uh, sometimes. But um, that was my thing. I said to my brother, you do it. Send me what I need to see. Don't send me anything I don't. And I think that's a really healthy way to be. It's hard in this modern age, isn't it? Even harder than it would have been back then because yeah. you kind of can't escape it. I've had a fair few things happen lately. Um, I've been really outspoken about a few things in the social media, in social media. Actually, I've been outspoken about a lot of things. I am just outspoken about... Feel free to share. Uh, the first thing I came out and spoke about was um, Chris Lilly yep. and uh, Jonah from Tonga. Yeah. So I felt like... So the show that he has is about a young, a young Tongan boy and it's set in, juvi in juvenile jail. Yeah. And I was like, and it's funny because I've seen him at a lot of events and I wish I could just sit with him. And I think I actually will make the effort to reach out to him and just sit with him um, and just explain that there is no representation on TV of any young Islander boy or girl. Yeah. So when you... And it's not even his fault. When you are the only representation on TV, then the responsibility you have is huge. And when he has it and they're all criminals and they're swearing and swearing at their parents, he also paints his face brown and puts on a curly wig, which highly irritates me too. Um, but yeah, all of that I really spoke out about. You know what's all a bit confusing and scary? Buying your first home and getting your first loan approved. You see, I'm 24 and I bought my first property last year. Even as an agent at the time, there was so much I didn't know about finance because we aren't taught these things at school. You see, I'm blessed now because one of my best mates, Zachary Bidoff, is a mortgage broker. And now that I'm self-employed, I have to be smarter with my money. So I sat down with Zach to refinance my loan and to get the absolute best deal I could. And it's saving me money every week. You see, the great thing about Zach is he's 28 years old Super relatable, and he knows everything you need to about buying your first property. So whether it's pre-approval or refinancing that you need, head across to ZacharyBidoff.com or find the link in the show notes. Now you may be hearing that and wondering, well, once I've identified the right property, what do I do? If it's a house that you've found, it's important you know the ins and outs of the property. A few issues can quickly add up, leaving you well over budget with a ton of work to do. To ensure that's not the case, it's advised that you seek the professional opinion of a building and pest inspector. Greg and Sharon Flood are the owners of Inspect Wollongong. Their job to provide you with a building and pest report, identifying the good and the bad in each property, and giving you the necessary advice to move forward. Keen property investors themselves, Greg and Sharon love helping anyone 
who's keen to get into the market. And it all begins with a home that will stand the test of time. Get in touch with Inspect Wollongong via the contact details in the show notes. While we're on the property train, it's a great opportunity to talk about my next sponsor. If you're looking at purchasing an apartment or selling one, you may be familiar with the idea of a strata report. It's the document that outlines all the good, the bad and the ugly within the body corporate's financial plans and all the issues that need to be addressed before you put pen to paper on a sales contract. But how do you organise that and who does it for you? Well, that's where Coastal Strata comes in. They are your go-to service in New South Wales, providing reports, bylaws and renovation approvals. For all their services, head to coastalstrata.com.au or find the link in the show notes. Do you feel like that's where the issue stems from? The fact that there isn't a representative 100%. that positively portrays what that culture is about? What? Yeah. If we had, and what I was saying was it, it creates fear within the community around young men of colour or yeah. young Islander boys. So people that are watching it on TV and love it, young Aussie families that are ha ha ha, in their mind they're like all young Islander boys are like that. And then the fear happens and then it, it's projected racism and it's, oh, you're this and you're that. And the, it's, it's, it gets into the psyche of the community. And it's fine if there are young – because not all young Islander boys are like that, obviously. Of course, yeah. You know, we know that, but there are a lot of people who don't know that because they don't see it. Yeah. And it wasn't even his fault. It's just that there's, that was the only representation that was on TV. Still is. Yeah. There is none. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, I came out and spoke highly about that. And then when the whole Black Lives Matter thing happened, they ended up pulling it down off um, Netflix. Netflix, yeah. And, and my thing is I don't support putting anyone out of work or – and I actually liked Summer High. Um, Summer High Thai, yeah, yeah, great show. I actually liked it. And Jonah from Tonga was actually in the show. Yeah. Because I think it's fine to do it as a – conglomerate of a whole bunch of stuff yeah. but just to do one show just based on that and following the entire story that's when I felt like it it went to another level of representing a whole culture if that makes sense yeah I get you if we were out there able to represent our culture too um it'd be different I mean I've auditioned and got really close to having roles on Home and Away and all those sorts of things because I act as well but we just I haven't had that chance to represent Islander people on a show like that yet it's not out there yet yeah so talk to me about you know there's obviously the negative effects of social media which we're sort of just covered but talk to me about the positive effects and the way that you see it changing the industry that you're in because it's having a huge impact oh yeah you see artists that are unknown sitting in their bedroom who now I discovered yep. from a single TikTok post yep. that can go viral across the world. We've seen artists come out and, and build brands and, and yep. build personalities in the space. Yep. It can completely change someone's life. Yep. But I'm sure it also changes the dynamic of the way the industry works. 100%. I think, like I was saying before, when The Voice came out, it turned the industry and the artists started getting a say. Yep. That was when social media was starting. And the artists' voices have gotten louder and the record company's involvement has gotten quieter. And I'm all about freeing the people 
and you know when when the world is run by these fossils <laughs> of people yeah. that are so out of touch with what the world is and they'll ask me like pretty what do you think of you know record labels and executives will ask me and I'm like don't ask me ask the 12 year old on the street that's the youth yeah 12 13 14 that's the youth that's who we're meant to be listening to and the thing is that social media has given them a voice and any artist now can put out music they can direct their music make the music produce the music do the video on their phone the power is nearly a hundred percent in the artist's hands and that is a great place to be and that's because of phones that's because of social media and it's giving people the power to do them it's really exciting across the board isn't it hundred percent that we i had a conversation about it yesterday at breakfast with two mates yeah we're talking about the power of social influence and like where from most people know i'm from wollongong yeah and you know in wollongong there's four hundred thousand people and we're yep. talking about just even the power of that audience. Yeah. Like if just if just 10% of that audience is tuned into what you're doing, yep. that's extremely powerful. Your voice becomes very influential. And what you guys are doing there is being heard here now. Whereas before, it was quite quiet. It was localised, Like the fact it? that I know what you're doing and I already knew. Like I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Even we can all coexist and even my friends in America and – everywhere we're all the the world is becoming smaller it you is. can you can do music and you know with um being able to see the numbers and and i can look at my instagram and go oh i've got a really strange following in singapore i'm going to go do a show in singapore when i can get on a plane but um these are the the things that we all have access to now that is changing the world and and back when you know you'd throw a advertisement in a newspaper and not really know who's looking at it yeah and now we have the f power of instagram and facebook that we can say we only want to show this to 20 year olds in newcastle it, it's so specific insane. It's insane it's insane the outreach that we have and also how we can pinpoint it down to a specific demographic it's insane i think it's powerful because i believe it i think it can change and and introduce a lot of happiness in society 100 out of people having the ability to do what they actually love for a living and having like-minded people you know like it's great i'm at a point where this is at a real early stage it's at a real growth phase and we're episode 56 today which wow feels incredible and it yeah. is so exciting and i'm super blessed that i've got a very loyal listener base that tune in every week and support the show and it's incredible yeah but i've got huge goals to take this you know we said it at the start future number one podcast in the world i love, I love that. this i love i that. love this this means so much to me it's my absolute passion it's what gives me purpose yeah and i want to take this to a whole nother level but even telling people about where it's at now and telling yeah. people that i had a conversation with a lady that i knew from my previous work in real estate i bumped into her just the other day when i was walking into the shops and she goes oh what are you doing like what's the plan to make money? Like, how do you make money? And I'm like, well, actually make a living out of the show now. Isn't it funny how they don't get that? They don't understand that. Okay. And she, she was blown away. She goes, I can't yeah. believe that. That's amazing, Brad. Like, how does that work? Yeah. And it sort of hit me because I thought like 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, yeah. people didn't have the opportunity to make money 
yeah. like they do now. Like my parents didn't exactly have the opportunity to pursue what they were super passionate about. They didn't have the option. I do. That's right. I do. So we live in such a blessed society where Gary V says it all the time, and a big Gary V fan. Mm. If you love the Smurfs that much, totally, you can make a YouTube channel about the Smurfs and make yep. money. And this is what I was saying about if that's the goal, all you have to do is entertain it and just start, just start, just one step of like, okay, who else is looking at the Smurfs? What is this? Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. Even if it is, whatever it is, as long as you start it, I promise you one step, two steps, you will get there and go, oh, I'm here. And actually it wasn't that bad because if you love it, you'll find your way to where you need to be. Like if me being where I am now was totally just keeping my eye on what I wanted and, you know, I, I've, for me, my goal has always to live a balanced life. I didn't want too much of one and not the other. I yeah. wanted a family. I wanted the, the home life, but I wanted to be, I never wanted to be that mum that went, I used to be a singer before yeah. you came along. That was my, oh, I did not want to be that person. And I wanted my kids to learn from what I do. I wanted them to see the hours and hours and hours of rehearsing that I do in a week. And then I'm on TV for like three minutes. That's yeah. the whole point. It's the hard work that happens behind. Great life lessons. Yeah. And, and that three minutes actually doesn't really matter. You know, that's, that's, it's just a tiny part of what I do. Is your eldest musical? Yeah, she is. Does she sing or just plays instruments? And She sings. She's really good. I, I don't know if she'll do it. Maybe a little bit later. She just, it's the kind of thing that I, I'm watching it and I'm nurturing it as, it as it comes along. She's really good at sport. Her yeah, dad's 6'6", six, six, so okay. she's really good at basketball. So she's concentrating on that. But the thing is, it doesn't matter what you do. The life lessons she's learning from getting up at 5 a.m. and training, she will take that into whatever she ends up doing. Anything. It's transferable, right? Totally. It's funny. I asked you that question because I was watching Will Smith do an interview recently and he was talking about his son, Jaden. Jaden. Who's you... quite a polarizing character, right? He's so cool. Isn't he? I, think I he's saw him when he was here recently. Seems like an incredible human being, very level-headed and humble for his age, but also has this real eagerness to build his own reputation as someone who not only is extremely talented and shares that with the world, but makes a real difference. He does. Through some of the charitable stuff that he does. And the water that he has. The water, yeah. incredible. All amazing. For one thing I loved was <clears throat> Will Smith was saying he was on Spotify, I think, and he's scrolling through and it's got new music from Jaden and he's like, oh, who's this? Like clicks on and he starts listening and he's like, that's my son. And he's just released the whole album. And he goes, wow. he just worked on it in the house. And he's like, in my damn house, in my studio. And he hasn't heard He's it. released the whole album and I'm just hearing it for the first time. That'll be me. And then he goes, I said to him, I really want, you know his song Icon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, I really want to get on the remix. And he goes, uh. <laughs> And he's like, I'm getting on the remix. But you know what? My daughter does that. Yeah. I'll be like, let's write something. She's like, hmm. You know, mom, like, yeah, uh, and I mean, stylistically, even the two of them, totally different. Same with me, like, she's more like a Summer Walker kind of, yeah, like her kind of vibe. But, um, yeah, it's crazy, and, and that's the thing, they can just make it 
in the house when you're not even paying attention. Yeah. And I remember there was someone had asked her because her godmother is um, in APRA, which is looks after all the songwriters in in the world in Australia especially. And she asked her, "So how many songs have you written to my daughter?" And my daughter goes, oh, "About a hundred." I'm sorry, what? How many? Th- same thing. I was like, Incredible, "You've yeah. written a hundred songs." I didn't know this. Um, but yeah, that they they learn everything from what we do, not so much from what we say. It's all about yeah, teaching by action, not by preaching all the time. Definitely. Can I ask what drives you? What drives me? Um, far out. Family. Lineage. I have a really strong connection with my, my ancestors. I've had a lot of people that have said to me, wow, like what you've done is so amazing. And I'm like, you have to understand, I am not capable of conjuring up what I've done. I, what I have is all the thoughts and prayers that were sent from my ancestors down. And yeah. what I've done in my life and all the good things or everything that I'm, you know, doing is all for the generations after me. I really believe strongly in the ancestral, like, presence and strength and, uh, yeah, I feel my ancestors a lot, especially when I'm performing. I remember I did, I was doing a Michael Jackson musical, actually my favourite musical I've ever done. Um, Is that, should I close the door? I'll close the door. You keep talking. No, no, no. We've got some construction in the background. No, that's fine. Keep rolling. Um, um, Yeah, no, I was doing a Michael Jackson show and we we did a show in New Zealand and, you know, I could just feel the ancestors lingering. It's pretty cool. Oh, that's much better. There you go, people. That's the rawness and rawness of the show. Yep. Construction work in Sydney. Yep. The market's alive. <laughs> <laughs> They're back up and running. It's, um, yeah, and I, I love hearing that because it's something that fascinates me and I guess in a position now, I feel like I've always been a really driven person. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've always been a really purpose-driven person where I've looked for something that had meaning in life. Yeah. And I think each step we take and each chapter of the journey in some way reflects that. And I look back now and... You know, like I'm here as a podcast host, which kind of sounds like when people ask you what you do for a living, it's kind of weird to say podcast host because be. people go, like, what is that? Like, how does that actually work? But for me, I, I almost say storyteller because yeah. that's kind of the way I like to put it. But I look back and before that I was in real estate and before that I was in personal training and owned a little fitness business. And before that I was at school and I look back on each of those stages of my life and I feel like every role... Yep. Taught me something that I needed to know now. Oh, yeah. Like personal training at 16, 17 was the ability to connect with clients of ages, you know, 14 through to 80 and to understand the importance of knowing what somebody needed and how you could help them with that and understanding building relationships and connections. And then, you know, real estate teaches you the importance of, you know, those big life decisions and, yeah. you know, what it's like to be a family that needs to think about their financial security and, you know, helping people in that journey in their in life. Exactly. But then it gets to a, to a point now mm. where all those lessons you learn along the way oh, play yeah. a major role in the success that you have in the path you take. Yep. And I can tell that 
you've had a life rich in experience mm. and that's really exciting you know you said there you want to pass something on to the next generation I'm one of those people that when I drive in the car I talk to myself mm-hmm. I almost make out that I'm being interviewed oh, as weird so as that sounds because I like to just manif- manifest my thoughts all the time and there's so much yep. happening in the next week and a half of my life it's very exciting that I'm just manifesting that thought and why I'm doing what I'm doing and, so and what it means yeah and I'm thinking about so we've got a massive charity event in a week and a half that I've organized with Cystic Fibrosis Australia so mm. I'm running a marathon for CF alongside so a good, good group of my mates and some really amazing support network that I have and I'm thinking about the speech after the run so I'm a little bit ahead of myself I've got to get through no, but, 42ks but the thing is it's all about visualizing it like, is I have a show coming up in March and I'm already going through my mind about where it goes. And the thing is, when you want to take people on a journey and actually move people, it has to come from your heart. It does. And if you don't process it before, it'll only come from your head, 100%. not from your heart. Oh, I, love, I love how you said that because that's, that probably puts into context what this conversation has been about for me over yeah. this last week. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, what do I say? And the beautiful thing about our journey is, you know, for me, the story was a challenge of, and I hate to make this about me for a No, minute, it's fine. But in July, I had bleeding lungs. I was in hospital, not feeling well. I've always been a really positive person. I've always been quite healthy for someone with CF. Yeah. The first thing that came to my mind in that moment, I was in a hospital bed when my old boy sat next to me, mum's on the phone and my sister, and I'm talking to them and I said, I want to run a marathon by the end of the year for CF Australia. Like, wouldn't that be a cool story if I went from this right now to that? And everyone was kind of like, amazing, you can do it because my family's super supportive. Yeah. And I think when I first put it out there, everyone was behind me, but everyone kind of thought, is he fucking crazy? He's never run more than 5Ks before, though, bud. But But this is the difference. This is the difference with people. It's the vision that you had. It's vision. And... Yep. And I put up a post yesterday and, you know, we just hit over 40 grand in fundraising. Yeah. Which brought tears to my eyes when I seen so that email good. because it, it, it's changing, yeah. you know, it's changing the landscape for CF. But the most important thing for me beside fundraising was the message. Yeah. And 24 years ago, so I'm 24 now, first doctor's appointment, my parents walked in. Most, I say it all the time, they were the most prepared you could ever be yeah. to bring a child into the world. <clears throat> they were financially secure. They owned their house. They had great jobs. They were planned, done yeah. everything to a T. Yeah. It's on the timeline. Yeah. I'm born three weeks, Guthrie's test. He's got CF. What's CF? We've never heard of it. They do a bit of research and all the research is very doom and gloom. Yeah. They go into this doctor's appointment and at the time the life expectancy was probably like 35. Right. It's improved a little bit by about five years since then, but... They go into this doctor's appointment and this doctor said to my parents, your son would be better off with a terminal illness because that would kill him or he'd get over it. This will ruin his life. Wow. Now, they had a decision to make in that moment and they walked out of that doctor's surgery and found someone else. Yeah. Because that wasn't the vision and or the mentality they were going to have. Mm-hmm. And that's what this the message of this whole event has been about. Yeah. And for me, it's it's manifesting those thoughts and getting back to my original point. On the date... At the end of that event, yeah, you know, it was just two weeks ago. I was back in hospital because my lungs bled really bad again. Yeah, and I remember saying to, I had a, I had a decision to make. Mm-hmm. It would have been a great excuse. 
And that's what I was talking about before. You don't have one. You probably have 20 excuses. Yeah, it would have been a great excuse. I had a calf injury. Yep. I had a lung bleed and I had gout in the space of two weeks. Wow. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Yep. But I look and a few people just asked me, they said, oh, do you wish you just had the perfect prep going in? And I was like, but this is part of the story. A mate it's of mine said. It's part of said, the glory. It wouldn't be as good. A mate of mine said good. to me, he said, it wouldn't be a Brad Driver story if there wasn't another challenge along the way. 100%. Just own the narrative. And I remember that doctor walked into the room and I said to him, first words that come out of my mouth. He goes, hey, mate, how are you? And I said, I'm good, but I've got a marathon to run in a month. What do we got to do to make sure I've got two feet on the start line? Yeah, wow. Because this is happening. And he was just like, okay, yeah. I guess we'll start getting some meds in here. Yeah, wow. And for me, I, w- I want that to be the message. And I love that there's that in your story too. 100%. There's all of these, because, you know, we had the issue in July, but then we had all this triumph where for four months the training went to plan. I was, you know, every week someone's like, oh, my God, you've conquered a 15K, then you've conquered a 20, 25, 30. This is incredible. Oh, my God, all of a sudden all that triumph leads to a new challenge. Yeah. But how do you continue to pick yourself back up? Like, what's the, what's the end vision for you? When this is all said and done, I always say there's two ways that we die. There's two ways that we leave this world. The first way, it's, it's, an, it's an accident or it happens in your sleep and you don't know. Yep. The second way is a way I think that most people like to go where there's, I guess, an, a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of closure that they can leave their family and they can say their goodbyes and do all those things. But there's yep. also that scary thought that if that's the way that you leave this world, you'll at one point in time just before the end, before that last breath, you'll have a moment where it's just you and you sit there and you think back on everything that you've done and the life that you've lived totally and you'll either be really content or really disappointed so true what's the vision and where does where do you see yourself in that future moment where you look back really content on what you left i think as a legacy in the world the beauty of music is that it lasts forever i love that i have friends dear friends that i've lost that I still get to press play and hear them sing. That's a really beautiful feeling, right? It's amazing. I need to put more music out ASAP, Rocky. Um, (laughs) um, But also preparing my girls for life. Even if I went tomorrow, I'd be happy with that and not carrying. I've been given a lot of crap in my lifetime that I haven't passed on to them which I'm really proud of. That's a great trait to have as a parent. It's fucking hard. It's really hard. Um, I, I didn't grow up with a dad. I, he just wasn't around. But I, the biggest gift I wanted to give both of my girls was a great dad. And they both have great dad. That was the biggest thing. And, and that and confidence probably isn't the right word. Because I think confidence can be a really misleading. Yeah. Confidence can be empty sometimes too. It can, yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I guess, I don't even know what the word is, but just, just being balanced and humble people, I guess. Do you think it's understanding? Understanding who you are in the world and I think there's real power in that, right? Understanding yeah. what you can bring to well, the Well, do you know table. what it is? Just being okay with who you are. Yeah. Being okay with it. Because there's some things I'm really bad at. There's some things I'm really good at. But being okay with that every single day is really hard sometimes. And of course. sometimes my, hus- my husband and my partner is amazing. And actually sometimes that can be a really horrible mirror. 
of like, man, I'm so crap at that. But actually, that's a whole mental thing, you know, and everything we're talking about, um, having goals, and that is all the mental binds and traps that we put out for ourselves. And sometimes life, sometimes the generation before us can give us those, but that's what it is for me, is getting rid of those for the next generation. Can I ask? Yeah. I'm sure, you know, we spoke about it. You've planned out 2021. Yeah, I have. And I'm sure you've got a list of things there that aren't planned, but are goals and, and aspirations for what you want in these next few years. Yeah. So any of that that you can share? I've, my thing is not only making music that you can play and hear forever. My whole thing is moving people. I have a show at the moment called Music for the Soul. Um, I have to get you tickets. You have to come to a show. Yeah, that'd be and great. And it's it's all about. I I always say every night. I don't care what side of the mask you live on, whether you wear them or whether you don't. Just be a nice person. Yeah. Just be a good person. I was like, there are people running around mad right now. For what? We have so much to be grateful for. So much. And if we stop concentrating on the negative and look at what we do have, and delve into what we really want and like we were saying put a microscope over it and see what you really want and you realize it's not that hard to attain it's just your mental barriers that you're putting on yourself that are stopping you um so that's my show now called music for the soul but next year i'm doing a show called lady sings the blues and it's about women of color or just women in general and all the struggles that they've been through I'm going to be talking about some really confronting things. Uh, my aim is always to move people. With the I love show, that. I think that's important. With the show that I've done, Music for the Soul, it was all about healing people after COVID. Um, I started really early on in COVID. The first show I did was electric. Like you could feel people because they hadn't been in front of a singer. Everyone had yeah. been at home and just looking at TV. They, and it was, it was weird. They were talking to me. They were asking me questions and like literally going, oh, so what do you think about this? And what do you think? And it, our community was hurting. We are healing yeah. slowly and getting back to normal. But there's something about the world right now that is divided. Well, not something. We know what it is. There's a few things. Everyone is so divided and everyone feels like they need to take a side, whether it's COVID, whether it's real, whether it's Trump, whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's Me Too, there's so much divisive topics that are going on right now that I'm trying to, music always unites people. I'm just like, I don't care what your political, yeah. you know, stance is, whatever it is, just don't be an asshole. Don't <laughs> just you be think, nice. I love what you said there, music unites people, because I think entertainment unites people as yeah, a whole. Yeah, totally. That's one thing I love. I love that you can, regardless of your differences, whether yep. it be culturally, whether it be um, the mentality that you have, what you do for work, your social status. Yep. You know, if you're sitting in front of a sporting event, yep. all of a sudden you're all on the same level. Totally. You're there in that moment. If you're there at a concert or in an arena and hearing someone perform, you're all just there as human beings in that moment on a yep. level play or playing field. So true. And there's such a such a quality about that that I think you've got to take a lot of pride in. Like yeah, for absolutely. me, that's, that's one of the beauties of this, that regardless of who you are in life, like just yep. one moment from one of these shows, you know, someone hearing 
your story or JMO's story or, you know, Tom Waterhouse's story could literally change someone's life. Yeah. There's such a pride in that. And yeah. I can see that that reflects in everything that you do because oh, yeah. the messaging is always so powerful. Yeah. And I think that will be your legacy. Yeah. I think for me, sitting here and listening to this today and seeing what you've been able to achieve and what you have planned, I don't think people will ever look back and think, Prinny Stevens was this song or this performance or this show. They'll think Prinny Stevens was the person who moved people through messages. And I think that's an incredible I'm very much a have. storyteller. Just like you. And I think if, and that's what I was saying about you talking through your speech. I take pride in the fact that I don't speak from here. I speak from here every single time. Authenticity is important. Authenticity is life goals. And that's why people get moved. And my band, (laughs) I drive them crazy because I'm just like, no, 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 no. We need to go here because I follow the audience. Yeah. I really do. I go with them. And most nights I go, okay, what do you want to hear? And you just see my band go, oh, God, what is she going to make us do? But it's like I'm not on that stage for me, 100% not. I'm on the stage so that we can all have an experience and grow as people and walk out. My last song every night is What a Wonderful World. And it's really simple and it's almost – and I always tell the band, don't play all this fancy crap. This is almost when I hand it over to them and make them think and go, actually, life actually isn't that bad or complicated. Isn't life bloody incredible? If you let it be, 100%. But you've got to get out of the way of yourself. You do, you know. And it was this morning I had another experience. Every morning I either walk or run. I was saying that before when we're chatting. I either walk or run down the beach. Yeah. Without fail every day at 6 a.m. This morning we'll walk and I walk with a good mate of mine, Bids, a lot. And we're having a chat to this lady we know and there's this guy next to me. We just see this yellow jersey on a push bike and he's howling towards everyone, trying to mow down traffic. And he literally from 20 yards away, I see him all the time. Yeah. He yells out, move out of the way, get out of the way. Like, and he's really aggressive every morning. And it frustrates me because, not because he's aggressive, it frustrates me because I think, you're what starting the guy, day like yeah, that. What does he just not understand about life yet? Yeah, like totally. What, has he not experienced the power of just having great, wholesome experiences with people? Totally. That can change their day. That's like any person on the road that's like screaming and rah, rah. I usually just wind down the window and go, do you know tomorrow? You won't even remember this. Yeah. You have a great day. Yeah, exactly. I'm always just like, who cares if they're in the left lane and something and who cares? I've, I've learned, and, and I think it comes with a bit of maturity, it comes with a bit of life experience, and I say that as a 24-year-old very loosely, but... You can. You know, I, I, I remember people say to me, when you put yourself out there, you've got to expect a little bit of criticism, right? Oh, you've got yeah. to expect that. Not everyone will love what you do, and that's okay. That's a part of it. Yep. People say, have you ever experienced that on a major scale? Well, the only time, and I mean this I've truthfully, I've been so blessed that the yep. only, there's only been one person who's heavily rejected me in any way. Yeah. And it was this random bloke I did not know on social media. When I left real estate, because I was, I was pretty loud in real estate, so when I was there, like I do in everything, I try to make an impact and, and be myself, be really authentic. So when I left, there was, I guess there, was, there were people that were curious because I'd been a little bit quiet for a month leading out. Obviously, you don't want any new business as you lead out, so you're kind of yeah. quieting down. But I put out an Instagram TV video 
which was live originally on Instagram where I basically announced that I was leaving real estate and I was pursuing my dream right. in this. And there was just one guy that commented like, nobody gives a fuck that you're leaving real estate, dude. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, you're young, you got an There's ego. There's so like many this, people that. like that. But the funny thing was, it wasn't even anger. Like, I looked at his message and I remember just feeling bad for him because I thought, there's obviously something so wrong in this guy's life. Oh, yeah. That he's projecting. Like, you can imagine, and I can imagine, like, if you're, let's say, for example, you're digging holes and you hate what you do for work. There's no oh, passion yeah. in it. And I think I give incredible credit to anyone who's got a work ethic and is out there doing anything in life. Yeah. Whatever you're doing, if you're working to fund your dream or to fund your life, massive credit to you. But if you go in there with a negative mindset every day and then you see this 24-year-old dude who's, you know, maybe 10 years you're younger, who's Doing just decided wants. to leave and he has the ability to do what he wants. And people go, oh, you must be privileged. Well, I've got a mortgage too. Yeah. You know, I pay off a house. But I had to make sacrifices in my life to make a decision that ultimately was putting happiness over everything. Yeah. But I look at him and I just think, I, just, I, just, I wish you knew what it felt like yeah. to do what you love every day or to, have, to feel like you have some purpose in life. And I think when people figure that out, and I think that's going back to what we spoke about before, the power of social media now and the ability yeah. to really do what you think will set your soul on fire every day. It, it I just also, hope the world gets closer to that. Absolutely. But it is scarier because for someone who's doing a job that they don't care about, when they do it, it goes and it goes. For us, when we do things and put it out there, our heart is attached to it too. 100%. So that become you become more vulnerable and it's a lot of it's a much scarier place to be, but I'd sure as hell prefer to be here than anywhere else. Can I ask you before we finish up, I don't want to keep you I feel like we could talk all day. All day, yep. Um, but I don't want to keep you all day. I know you've got things to do. No, all good. Talk to me about your inspirations within the industry or even outside of the industry and people that you oh my gosh. find yourself going back to for that I guess that little anchor or that reminder of why you're doing what you're doing. Okay, so my biggest inspiration is my grandfather. He was a sea captain. He was shipwrecked for 101 days with a ship full of people. Wow. Yep. This is a story in itself. Yeah, actually, that's the book about him right there called Minerva Reef. He was Minerva stuck Reef. on the Minerva Reef. He is my entire and when I talk about ancestral stuff and all that like he is my entire inspiration for everything he took the responsibility of looking after all those people yeah 101 days he went and then it got so bad that he ended up swimming to shore making a raft and swimming to shore with my uncle and he had the chance with my uncle and another guy he was actually taking a whole bunch of guys who were boxing in New Zealand from Tonga and he took his son and another guy to go to shore to get help because they were like, we're not going to last much longer, made a raft and went. And it got to the point where he ended up, my uncle ended up drowning to save the other guy. And my grandfather and my uncle both kind of looked at each other at one point and went, like, imagine that decision. Like, it's Full on, but it was more so about all the people that were back there on on the boat. <clears throat> and whenever I think about anything in my lifetime, I'm like, sure, hell, sure as hell, ain't as hard as that decision 
he had to make in that moment to lose his own, not his only son, but one of his sons to save everybody else. It's, I love that you said that because there's been some huge conversations I've had with friends lately within my own life about the weight of decisions and, and sacrifice. we all have to make them at one point and regardless of how hard they are, yep. sometimes a decision is the catalyst to an amazing thing and in that turn, a really hard decision Oof. saved many lives. Saved many. And yeah, he's, he's quite famous back in, I say home, because Tonga's still home to me. But yeah, just he, the way he lived his life, he, he was just an amazing man. And um, yeah, that's who inspires me every day. What an incredible story. It's funny because everyone's like, is it Whitney Houston? Is it this? I'm like, nah. I, th- nah. I always think it's people that are outside of your field. I think they're... 100%. You know, for me, like my family... Yeah. Do nothing like I do. Yeah. Have never done anything similar to this. Yeah. Yet I look at them and I just think, how do you do what you do? But it's his mentality that has been passed down to me that's been able to navigate what I've done. 100%. 100. Captain of your own ship. Captain of my ship. I love it. I like it. I want to make sure that after this episode, all of my listeners, all of the viewers can follow on on your journey because it is bloody exciting. Yeah, it's, it's Where's the it's best place to do that? Um, everything is just Prinny Stevens. Um, yeah. Instagram, I'm always really active. Um, Facebook, really active. Um, yeah, Instagram mainly. You know what it's like. Everything kind of, nowadays, everything just branches out from Instagram and you can get everything on there. And I'm, I try to be, I need to be more vocal. I feel like I've, I'm a big thinker even though I sing, I, th- I feel like I'm either expressing myself when I'm singing or I'm thinking. Um, On that, have you ever thought about like getting someone to document a little bit of what goes into the week of a? I would of, love of your to. Life? I've never thought about it, but I'd love to do it. Because I think that would be really intriguing. That's something I'd be interested to watch. And it's kind of what we're trying to do. Like with Trav coming on board the show now, yep. our goal is to, you know, as someone who's very early stages, document what it's like to try and build a personal brand and try to build a podcast that yep. touches people's personal journeys. And, and I think that'd be really interesting to see what goes into your year. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I haven't really even touched on being a wife and being a mum, and also all the charity work that I do. Of course. Um, I work with a lot of kids. I, yeah. I'm always involved in, and there's so much that goes into it, but it's because it's all from my heart, you know, and, and the shows are just shows. I do try to move people in that, but it's, it's about making a difference across the board, not just when I'm standing up singing, you know? Of course. Yeah. Oh, I feel like we could do this all day, but Thank I'm going to leave it there. Like she said, Prinny Stevens on everything. Um, <laughs> make sure you go and follow. I think the journey is incredible. There's so much outside of just like we said music and performing and I'm just really excited to see especially now that I know you to see the journey and to be able to watch it having the knowledge that I have now you have to come to my show please 18th let me of know December when. you're coming at Foundry let me know yeah bring a friend bring let me know some friends funnily enough the 18th is the only date that weekend that I'm free so let's make it happen it's happening Foundry's in Alexandria isn't it it's Ultimo 
Ultima. Yeah. Amazing. Same, same. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for always tuning in, viewing, being a part of the experience. This is Prinny Stevens, and you just listened to episode 56. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>